Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. Welcome to Weekly Jump, presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. This is our weekly episode reviewing first impressions of newer anime and manga titles. Let's jump in. Hey everybody, it's another Weekly Jump, and uh, we're, we're going to... We're going to go ahead and just get straight into it. Uh, we had to read more fucking Yu-Gi-Oh! this week. <laughs> I knew I was going to hear about that. Look, it's just a randomized list in a randomized order. And this is what's happening because Yu-Gi-Oh! is broken into like 12 parts. All right. So let's go ahead and start out with our page flips. That's Yu-Gi-Oh! Millennium World. And uh, what the fuck did you expect from this? Because I was like, well, what is happening why are we watching this person that vaguely looks like, okay, everybody in Yugi's family and family tree looks like they are from a different manga than everyone else inside of this world. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, obviously, like, there's a certain design element, especially with the hair that kind of comes through on all the characters. But yeah, you're right. I was like, this is, this looks like Yugi's grandfather. And I kind of assumed it was his great grandfather. Uh, but no, this is my father. So yeah, you, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Millennium World. So I think we've covered this on the show a few times. I don't know if we've covered this on the Monday pod, but either way, it's been a while. So Yu-Gi-Oh! The original series was not about a card game. It was about a game master, specifically an ancient pharaoh spirit trapped inside of a puzzle solved by a young kid named Yugi, who then found himself thrust into various... Uh, if you know Yu-Gi-Oh! the card game uh, and Yu-Gi-Oh! the show about the card game, you would be maybe a little surprised at just how high stakes some of these scenarios were. And they involved various games, and one of those games was a card game because the creator liked Magic the Gathering. And so he made a sort of simplified Magic the Gathering ripoff so that he could have a chapter about card games because that was a type of game and the manga was about playing games. Then everybody freaked their whole shit out about the card game and the uh, the magazine Shonen Jump was inundated with requests on more information about the card game. Where could I buy the card game in real life, etc., etc. And the editor sat down with Kazuki Takashi and they were like, this story is going to be about the card game from now on. And so if you're reading the manga, kind of similar, similar, but in reverse of the Naruto versus Naruto Shippuden thing, where the Naruto manga has a time skip but doesn't change titles, and the anime has a time skip and does change titles to signify the time skip, the anime of Yu-Gi-Oh! actually has a first season that isn't about the cards at all. They did not show it in the U.S. because nobody in the U.S. gave a fuck about that, Uh, but they actually have a first season that covers the manga chapters before the show, uh, before the series shifted to be about cards. If you're reading the anime or the manga, they disambiguate this so that you have Yu-Gi-Oh! and then you have Yu-Gi-Oh! Duelist. And Yu-Gi-Oh! Duelist is the the main brunt of the Yu-Gi-Oh! story. What we read today is Yu-Gi-Oh! Millennium World, which if you're watching the anime is still just (laughs) Yu-Gi-Oh!, But if you are reading along, Millennium World signifies that they have left the duelist section and they are moving into the finale, which is still about cards, but is maybe a little bit more heavy on the Egyptian mysticism stuff that you feel like 
the creator uh, intended to have in there all along. And then, of course, there's all the sequels, which we've covered some of on here. Um, but yeah, it, it's kind of a big, complicated mess. But ultimately, it sort of stems from this unexpected tide of enthusiasm from the readers that created these sort of offshoots. So Millennium World picks up after Duelist, uh, not Duelist Kingdom, after the uh, Battle City Tournament, which is a very large section of the Duelist manga and the anime series. Um, during that tournament, Yugi gets three key cards that are, you know, if you don't know anything about Yu-Gi-Oh, it's a card game, but the card game is in the universe based on ancient Egyptian card games that were actually representative of real monster spirits that they were channeling through these card games. And so there's like dark magic tied up into it. So these three cards are really important to Yu-Gi and specifically to the fact that the, uh, e the uh, spirit that's trapped inside of his Millennium Puzzle is a pharaoh who has lost all of his memories. And so this is picking up in the aftermath of the finale of Yu-Gi-Oh! Duelist, which is the end of the Battle City arc, and picking into the finale arc, which is Millennium World, which in the manga has its own title. And it starts with basically no card playing. And I really fucking enjoyed that. Like, I, I like the melodramatic card games of Yu-Gi-Oh! I'm a big fan as we've said on the show, I don't think it translates super well to the manga page because I think it creates some pacing issues. Uh, and that has really shown up in some of the sequel series that we've read here. But overall, I thought the story here was really interesting. If for no other reason than I was like, I know that card games come into this eventually, but I don't know how. And I kind of don't know where this is going. Like it is not a plot in these first three chapters that is about a card game. And it is not... It doesn't, other than knowing what the series is and what it has to inevitably get back to, it doesn't feel like it is inevitably leading to from one card match to another because they're setting up something else. And so I found that particularly exciting. I was reminded of some of the uh, charms of Yu-Gi-Oh that don't have to do with the card game portion. And I really enjoyed it overall while understanding that I have been pretty lukewarm on the card playing manga format for a while now. And that it would be a little surprised if that was different once the card game wound itself back into the plot here. How about you, Spencer? Oh, man, uh, you got a lot to say about that. And mostly what I wanted to say is uh, if you ever wanted to watch Indiana Jones, but the mm. main character instead of Indiana Jones is um, basically a uh, a weird eyelash having sort of edgelord uh, that is uh, running around with people that get murdered by uh, spirit pharaohs. This part of the manga is going to be it for you. Um, yeah. And I swear it is much weirder than the anime that focuses on the cards. And instead, it's better than that. Um, it is still weird, uh, but it is one of those things that reminded me that the original storytelling inside of Yu-Gi-Oh! is much better than what it got turned into. Um, because when it started to focus on the card games and you can really tell that it's all about just selling cards and like, it's, it's sort of like a merchandising ploy. It, it loses a lot of its, uh, kind of like creative juices. And also it loses a lot of street cred for manga creators, uh, just because uh, a, a lot of them are just like, uh, you kind of sold out, but whatever. Um, and that's how I, I sort I of I feel would... when I have to read 
Yu-Gi-Oh manga and watch the anime after the original creation of the show. Uh, yeah, I would argue against you a little bit there. It is it is demonstrably true that they changed the course of the series because of fan re- reaction. Um, you know, and that is, I think, as artists or, you know, if if you listeners out there uh, don't necessarily consider yourself artists, but consider yourself sort of like, I, you know, manga and anime purists, I know that there's sort of a knee-jerk reaction against that. And I would largely agree, but I would also say, you know... Uh, when like I, there are another famous example of an anime going in a new direction because of feedback is Dragon Ball Z, where you have the Android saga was about androids 15 and 16. I believe they were the like mm-hmm. uh, the like big, big boy and the old man. And then editorial was like, they're not scary enough. And that's why 17 and 18 were created. They were not conceived of. They were not intended. And then Cell came along and they decided that they didn't like uh how the early version of cell was so cell was supposed to be this monster the whole time but instead he turns into this sort of you know relatively humanoid creature because of editorial meddling if you will and uh you know i think as creatives or as purists you sort of mourn for the story that could have been or perhaps arguably should have been but um, it doesn't mean that the story is bad. And I would I would argue that the original Yu-Gi-Oh! does a lot within the constraints of a card game series. Um, you can really see that what the author set out to do in his play different games each chapter narrative, he worked it into the card game narrative. And so I would argue a little bit against the sort of product placement the series aspect of this it's definitely there i mean he's definitely making these creatures that are going to become cards but it is not my impression that he is making plots around cards that were made external to the story he's sort of like come you know when they fight my valentine and she has the harpies he's making cards that he thinks would make a fun harpy concept and isn't really paying attention to the mechanics of a game he's going to leave that to the game designers and so I, I think that, yeah, he shifts pretty majorly here. And yeah, the show, because there is a direct a product that's directly based on it, it does become sort of intrinsically product placement. But I would say the original Yu-Gi-Oh, despite being all about the card game, still has a, a pretty, pretty recognizable underlying DNA of original intent that comes through. And there's definitely stuff like, I don't know that Kaiba would have been such an important character and obviously i'm not sure that the egyptian god cards would have been a thing if it hadn't gone in the card direction but i think the series overall manages to do essentially what it set out to do from the beginning just through an unexpected avenue of the card game and i think that causes more of a lengthening of storyline or a lengthening of sort of the pace that it takes to get from one major plot point to another rather than like a derailing of the author's intent necessarily uh, whereas I would argue that maybe the sequel series are not so pure <laughs> and are maybe just more about what fun cards do they have and can I buy those cards? Yeah, that's sort of what I was getting at instead of it just being mm. like for the original thing. All right. Uh, I would let's recommend a... this, but with a caveat, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it's still uh, I would recommend like... this by saying that we, we haven't read enough to know for sure if it just veers back into old habits that we would not recommend but based on the early part that we saw, it was pretty fun. 
Yeah. Okay, now let's talk about a manga that is, I mean, an anime that is very different and really weird. Um, this was Hitsumaguri, I think is how it's pronounced. Not, no, there's no G. <laughs> Hina Matsuri. Hina this Matsuri. Was, this was it. recommended by Toshin. I nailed Toshin. it the first time. You sure did. And we're very proud of you. So this is recommended yeah. by Toshin or Taoshin. Uh, there is a Yakuza, a relatively high level, very well off Yakuza guy who has his home mysteriously and an unexplainedly invaded by a young girl in a weird pod. And he sort of becomes her de facto father. And she also has powerful telekinetic powers and uh, sort of hijinks ensue is basically the, the series. Oh yeah, it's definitely it's definitely way sillier than I expected it to be. Um, except for also, it has a some pretty good fighting sequences. It seems like with yeah. some like kind of cool powers. Yeah, and uh, also the not quite a fight, but the get you to look away uh, contest, like get you to look a certain way contest, made me like cackle out loud and rewind. Uh, this was unexpected to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah i i I really felt like this this show kind of took me by surprise. And uh, uh -huh. i i I honestly would kind of recommend it. <laughs> yeah, it is. So it is a slice of life, and it is a slice of life comedy. And you know, I would say, like I said, the phrase "hijinks ensue," which is usually my code word for random vaguely funny adjacent bullshit happens for 25 minutes until the episode is over and this was kind of delightful like the production quality is pretty high and mm -hmm. i mean they, they cut back at different you know there's a lot of like stand around and talk where they're not throwing a bunch of money or effort into it but like there are moments when the production quality goes way way up the voice acting is really good um and like the there there are some jokes in here that have like really great timing like i think bef right before the fight well air quotes the the conflict sequence where they're trying to get each other to look different ways there's this moment where where the the main girl who i believe is named hinamatsuri but i, I don't remember for sure and please don't at me is uh is um like kind of resistant to what the yakuza guy wants her to do and he coerces her by promising her her favorite food but the way that he does it and her immediate response is such good comedic timing. Like I laughed multiple times an episode at this and I, I kept being like, this is not my type of thing. I don't really like this type of thing and I am enjoying myself. Like I could mm -hmm. see myself watching more of this. Yeah. I think, I think it really starts off on a, a pretty sweet note for people who like uh, fight sequences and also for people mm, yeah. that uh, that it, it starts out with like a there's a there's a pretty fe sweet fight sequence at the very beginning of it where you're seeing somebody that we don't understand who it is at, at the very start of the show um, and then we completely leave her but she's like doing like a training montage sequence and and then she's like fighting with other people it's it's pretty sweet and it's really good animation for battle fight sequences. And then it goes straight into a pretty funny scene where 
So, like, the main character is just going to, like, fall out of a portal that appears in the side of this Yakuza, uh, his, uh-huh. his house. Um, and he's, like, a collector of vases. And the first thing that happens oh, is that he walks over and he, like, looks down and she's, like, in this, like, pod. And she's like, hey, can you let me out? And he's like, I'm going to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> pretend I didn't see that. And he goes to bed. And then he comes out in the morning. He looks down again. And he sees her there. And he's like, okay, so it's that. He also showers this. first. He wakes up and gets ready and, like, gets dressed and shit before he comes out. And he's like, ah, shit, it wasn't a dream. Like, it's, <laughs> it's kind of great. And then when he releases her, her first thing that she does is, like, She's like, do this for me. And he's like, I'm not going to do this for you. And she breaks the vases. And he's like, he's like, uh, don't do that. Uh, those are the vases. Uh, these are important to me. And she's just like, do this or I'll break all of them. And he's like, I'm not doing shit for you. And so she just breaks them all. And he's like, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, there's also a sequence. Uh, the, the last episode we watched, uh, the third episode, is all about her trying to do something nice for him because he's been doing so much nice stuff for her. So she's trying to clean up around the house. And the result is that she's so inept at this. And, you know, she's like, a, I don't know, an alien or something, other dimension. I don't, it's not clear at this point in the show, but she is not familiar with the trappings of the modern world, including how cleaning stuff works. And so she just ends up destroying his apartment <laughs> while trying to fix it. And it's hilarious. And like, there's so much of that in here. Like there's a, there's a side plot where one of her classmates gets conscripted into being a barkeep at 12 and like is weirdly great at it. And then like her teacher comes in, there's this whole plot line with her and she's not really in any of the other episodes. So it's sort of this like way off day off moment of episode two. And like, it's so fun. Like everything is just so well done. This, like the storytelling and the pacing and the jokes are just really, really, really good. Yeah. Uh, This is, this is a sleeper, great show. And it is the type of show that I like, if you wrote out what this is on paper, I would immediately hate it and intend never to watch it. And, uh, it's real good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's all I got for it. But uh, yeah, but uh, stick with us after these credits, and we'll give you another important life lesson. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level thirteen sound wizard. Thirteen? Did he jump even more levels? He gained a lot of experience by defeating the Dark Lord of Smooth Jazz. Do you mean Chuck Mangione from King of the Hill? Rashad is the King of the Hill now. Damn it, Bobby. Anyway, our podcast is ad-free, and if you want to keep it that way, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash Get Jumped. Also, we have a Discord server. You can find the links to that on all of our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New review episodes come out every Monday, and new rewatch episodes appear every Friday. And hey, thanks for listening. Hello, my name is Jeremy Snow, owner and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind. We interrupt your awesome, regularly scheduled programming to ensure you're aware of the Geekly Grind podcast network, of which this show is a treasured member of. 
If you haven't had a chance to check out our site, you can do so at thegeeklygrind.com, and while you're there, take a look at the other members of our steadily growing podcast family, including the anime-centric Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, discovering new heroes on comic book keepers with Chris and Lance, exploring the vast universe of geekdom with Geek Exploration, or appreciating animation's finer details with JD's Ink and Paint Club. Escape your weekly grind at the Geekly Grind. We'll see you next week, and until then... Remember, if somebody appears in your room and tells you to uh, press a button... Maybe don't press it. Uh, just don't. Yeah, call, call an adult. Don't press that button. Even if you are an adult, call don't, an adult. Don't press. You step away from that button. You just don't. Don't touch it. Don't you touch but it. I want, but it's. You should push the button. Don't. Right? Uh, you're changed. Hmm. Okay. <laughs>